Mimo's Pizza in Mishawaka offers up authentic homemade Italian pizza that the entire family will enjoy. But don't forget to pair your pizza with the famous garlic knots. You can find them at 204 West Edison between Maine and Grape Roads. Or just call 256-9001. Manja Manja. This is the South Bend Beat Podcast, presented by Alpha Dog Agency. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your host, Kyle. Uh, we have a special episode for you today on episode six. Uh, we have Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who's the chief executive of the city of South Bend. Uh, he took office in 2012 at the age of 29. He's responsible for the city workforce of over 1,000 employees and an annual budget over $380 million. Uh, Mayor Pete was born in South Bend. He's a St. Joe grad. During his first term, he established a 311 system for city services. Uh, he led a successful initiative to address a thousand vacant and abandoned houses in a thousand days. And he established the first open data policy for this first city in Indiana. In his second term, administration completed the award-winning Smart Streets initiative to transform the city's downtown streetscapes and launched the largest investment to parks and trails in the city's history. Mayor Pete was profiled by the New York Times and was called the most interesting mayor you've never heard of by the Washington Post. He was an officer in the U.S. Navy Reserve from 2009 to 2017, took a leave of absence leave of absence to serve in Afghanistan during a seven-month deployment in 2014, earning the Joint Service, Joint Service Commendation Medal for his counterterrorism work. He's a Rhodes Scholar, studied philosophy, politics, and economics at Oxford, and has a degree in American history and literature from Harvard College. He lives in a formerly vacant house he is restoring in the same neighborhood where he grew up with his fiancée, Chastin Glesman, and their dog, Truman. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome to episode six of the South Bend Beat Podcast. This is your host, Kyle O'Connor. I'm joined today by my wife, Tina. Hey, everybody. And the man himself, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, South Bend. How are you doing, Mayor Pete? I'm good. It's uh, finally uh, uh, gotten out of plow mode, at least for now. Now we're starting to think about potholes, which uh, is another uh, mortal enemy of mayors. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's a little easier to deal with than all that snow. Yeah, everything's melting right now, and it looks like maybe we can get a little warmer the next couple of days, get, yeah, it, get rid of some of the snow. Yeah, I think we, we probably let our guard down because the last couple of years it was a little too a little too gentle. Oh, um, it came back. So uh, getting yeah. a proper winter probably did us some good. Yeah. So um, the u- way we usually start these episodes is um, just kind of South Penn story. Everyone pretty much, especially this uh, listener base, really knows your story. But let's hear it from the man himself, just kind of your background all the way to where you are now. Um, just give us your South Bend story. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I grew up here. My, my parents moved here to get a job in Notre Dame, and uh, we uh, lived on College Street and kind of northwest side, not far from LaSalle School. And uh, when I grew up, yeah, I didn't really understand how interesting or how complicated of a place South Bend was. It was just home. Um, later on, we moved to the kind of North Shore area, just down the hill from St. Joe High School. 
and uh, went to high school there, you know, walked uphill both ways, I like to tell <laughs> people. Um, and at the time, I, I think I believed that success had to do with getting out, right? There was that message that, you know, you need to go into the big city and make your fortune. And uh, I think that, that got into my head a little bit. But what I realized is I went further away, you know, I was in Boston for, for college, I was overseas for grad school, was that it really meant something to me to be from here, that... that uh, there's a kind of culture in the Midwest that's different from a lot of other places and, and, and accounts for something. And when you're separated from it, you begin to feel that in different ways. So I began to realize that I wanted to come home. I found a job in Chicago that l let me do that. And the job was one that I was constantly traveling. I was at a consulting firm called McKinsey. Um, and I realized if I was going to be traveling all the time, then they probably didn't really care exactly where I lived. And I could live in South Bend instead of Chicago and at least be here on weekends and started reconnecting with, with family, with uh, old friends that I'd grown up with who either were returning home like I did um, or had been here all along and began to really feel more and more invested in this community. So uh, when uh, Mayor Licky announced he wasn't going to run again, uh, that in 2010, going into the 2011 election year, that created the first open seat in 24 years. And it was a, it was clearly a moment where the city was at a fork in the road. We were figuring out what our future was going to be. And I thought somebody had to come in with a message of being a city that isn't going to get caught up in the past, but, uh, but also is true to who we've always been. And talking about things like what it means to be coming up on 50 years after Studebaker left and how we can you know, still be a place that makes things but not just collapse into nostalgia and, uh, and, and always be kind of looking backward and pining for the way things used to be. So uh, it, was a, it was obviously a bit of a long shot, or it felt like one when I jumped in the race. But over time, we found more and more people gravitated to our message. And uh, by the time the, the primary election rolled around in May, we had, uh, I think we got 55% of the vote. So it was clear there was, there was an energy for that in the city. And since then, the story's been one of, of just doing everything we can to propel the city forward to, to um, help uh, people flourish and and um, and thrive in the city, and uh, I think there's a there's a feel right now. There's a sense of pride. There's a sense of awakening that is uh, beyond my my dreams when when I was first running, and and I'm proud to be part of it. And speaking with past guests, um, South Bend obviously being a city on the rise. A few things that we're seeing is the Notre Dame bubble is starting to become non-existent. Um, talent that would have traditionally left after graduating from Notre Dame is starting to stick around, build mm -hmm. biz businesses here. Um, speak to that a little bit, maybe a couple of the highlights of 2017 and a couple things you're excited about in 2018. Yeah, this is a big deal, the way the relationship with uh, with Notre Dame has shifted. You know, we've got, we've got five colleges and universities right around us in South Bend. It's one of our greatest assets. But there's a feeling, especially in the case of Notre Dame, that it wasn't really wired up to the life of the city. That's really changing. You can feel it among students. You can feel it when you're connecting with faculty. Uh, we've seen some big developments in terms of small businesses being created out of some of the intellectual property that's, that's being cooked up there. That's why we continue to invest in a place like Innovation. Park. Uh, uh, we continue to support that any way we can, the Idea Center now, uh, and a lot of other things going on around the city that, that foster that kind of work. Um, at the same time, I try to make sure that, that we as a local government really do only the things that only we can do. 
And so we try to support the private sector, not by getting into the middle of it, but by creating the kind of environment where things are going to grow and, and, and flourish and thrive. And that's why the, the biggest thing you're going to see in the coming year is a, an investment in our parks and public spaces, making sure that we have uh, the, the kinds of, uh, not just parks as such, but the facilities, the programming, the recreation that uh, turns and faces our river, that enhances our neighborhoods, that uh, is a kind of multiplier on the life of our downtown. And we know that if we do that right, then then a lot of other things fall into place. Uh, obviously, the, the big story last year was, uh, was the streetscapes downtown and really transforming what it meant to walk or bike or drive through the downtown area. And it's, it's something that took a little getting used to. It still is, and, and, and that's okay. Um, but the bottom line is we've seen uh, tens of millions of dollars, I think we're up to about $90 million of private investment from people starting businesses or fixing up buildings who have seen what we're doing and told us that they're responding to the public investment that we made in, in the roads, in the streets, in, in transforming the, the way that you move around the heart of our city so that it comes to feel like a city again. Are there any plans for South Bend to be a test market for anything tech related? So we're in a city that's really well positioned to be a test bed or a kind of laboratory for new ideas. We're, we're just big enough that if you're trying to take an idea to scale, um, trying it out in a city of 100,000 people really allows you to test it. And at the same time, uh, we're finding that, uh, you know, because we're small, we're able to be more nimble and, and, and create. So we're in this real sweet spot for, for trying new ideas. The big example you would have seen of that last year is Lime Bike, right? You have this technology, bike share without any docks, without any stations. Um, that was pretty new, and it was not clear how it would play out. And so they were looking for a place before they started going to some of the biggest cities in the U.S. to try that out. Uh, partnering with us, we got the kind of first mover advantage of being one of the first places to do it. And uh, actually, until Seattle caught up to us. Uh, we were the biggest deployment of, of dockless bike share in the country. So we'll continue to work um, not only in areas around mobility or, or, or the sharing economy, but anytime we see an opportunity to partner with somebody who is uh, developing an idea or trying to do something new, we want them to, to try it here. And we're in talks right now with uh, everybody from, uh, there's a company called Uptake, which can do predictive analytics on, uh, on big data that, uh, for example, a utility would have. So help us figure out like if there are going to be failures in the water system, um, all the way to uh, uh, some companies that are working with VCs to uh, try to get more investment in, in uh, technologies that, that are related to manufacturing out here. So a lot of really cool ideas taking shape, and, and we're doing what we can just to, to be the connector. Uh, again, the, the city government doesn't decide who the winners and losers are going to be. We don't uh, really point to this sector or that sector dominating our economy. What we can do is make sure the relationships are there, make sure the infrastructure is there, and do everything we can to promote the idea of South Bend as that kind of city. So when I have opportunities to uh, be on, the, uh, on a national uh, stage or talking about South Bend, uh, you know, in other parts of the country, one of the big themes is making sure everybody knows about the positioning we have for that kind of work. Love it. So moving forward, say the next 12 to 18 months, um, any initiatives or opportunities for small business in the area either to start or already small businesses to flourish? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, you're going to continue to see creative ideas in the, um, in the new economy that are going to flourish here, as well as seeing, you know, a lot of our small business actually is in uh, areas like manufacturing that are increasingly also the tech industry. The manufacturing and tech have become the same thing in many senses. And, and uh, especially after my last visit to Silicon Valley, I'm pretty sure that trend is going to continue. For example, the car industry 
is going to look more and more like the software industry because the software will be one of the most valuable and expensive parts of the car, especially if we're thinking about automation. Uh, I think you're going to see more growth in any businesses that are related to artificial intelligence and automation. That's going to create a lot of jobs. It's going to destroy a lot of jobs. And we got to make sure that workers here uh, aren't uh, lost in the balance, that, that people here continue to find opportunities. Um, but the the great thing about the the kind of dynamism of the business community around here is uh, I'm usually finding out about things a little bit after the fact when they just want me to know what they're doing. You know, people are out here every day uh, uh, innovating, starting businesses, uh, doing creative projects. And, um, and you know, once they start kind of ramping up, that's when they attract our attention. And, of course, I do anything I can to help them. Um, just Good old-fashioned retail and restaurants, I think, is going to grow, especially in the downtown area. It's one of the reasons we uh, provided this new streetscape. Uh, and uh, it's true, of course, right here where we're sitting as well. Uh, you know, we're close to that. Jefferson, in many ways, was the uh, the pilot area for that smart streets approach uh, to try to create that feel that you wouldn't just kind of zip by it in a car, but you might stop, walk around, go to a coffee shop. Now we got a, a world-class restaurant, a dive bar, and, and a coffee shop all kind of a block apart from each other. Right? Uh, so it shows how that style of development works. Um, and uh, we got a lot of challenges in the next 12 to 18 months, too, that we're going to be dealing with, making sure that uh, uh, we're taking care of the most vulnerable in our community. Uh, I'm very concerned about uh, issues around lead poisoning. Our, our water is safe, but when you're in a community with a lot of old houses, uh, which is one of the coolest things about our city, uh, but we got to make sure that they're safe. And when you have low-income families that don't have the resources to uh, uh, even simple things like paint, uh, we got to make sure that we're connecting people up with what they need. All right, so we're going to transition here a little bit. Um, I know this is probably an impossible question to answer, but a typical day for you. Take <laughs> us through, um, I mean, as, as well you can, I guess. I know every day you're kind of running here, running there, but kind of a general sense of what a day for Mayor Pete looks like. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever had exactly a typical day. <laughs> I mean, it goes so fast, I forget. Let me just pull out, I'm going to pull out my calendar here. I'll go through some, uh, some examples. So let's take... Uh, Let's take another day this week, maybe uh, maybe Tuesday. So my day started when uh, uh, Mark, who's, who's with us right now, who uh, does our press and communications, showed up at my house at uh, 5.50 in the morning to take me to WNDU. We did the morning show there. And then we did uh, uh, another morning show at uh, ABC 57. Um, then we had a uh, diversity and inclusion training at the South Bend Police Department. So uh, when you have a training like that, you know, it's really up to the experts to do the training. But I, I wanted to make sure I was there at the beginning uh, just to let everybody know how important that work is because we're trying to make sure police officers really understand some of the issues around things like implicit bias, other things that could be uh, causing um, uh, causing mistrust in the community. Uh, then uh, I was back at the office. We had a group uh, that works with uh, people with disabilities who, who stopped by. They uh, uh, had some uh, gifts that they had made up for Valentine's Day. They actually make dog biscuits, uh, and uh, it was really cool uh, meeting with some of them. Then uh, uh, there was a, uh, a student who stopped by. He needed to get some questions answered for a, a class project. Then uh, this is only 10 a.m., by the way. We had a meeting on uh, uh, with uh, parks and, and uh, recreation. This is actually very interesting. So um, in Baltimore, in around the year 2000, they started really changing the way that they ran the city. And the thought was that if you had more use of kind of quantitative information, taking running the numbers, figuring out um, in ways that you could count whether we were succeeding or failing, it would lead to better results than if everything was just kind of seat of the pants. They called it city stat. And over time, that model has developed in, into a way that uh, cities have been able to find huge savings, uh, getting to the bottom of, let's say, an overtime issue or, or absenteeism or uh, 
some inefficiency in the budget. And because we're under so much financial pressure, we really need to make sure everything we do is extremely efficient. So I had a fascinating meeting with our Parks and Recreation team that's part of that style. We call it SB STAT. Um, uh, then I was meeting with somebody that uh, we were thinking about appointing to a board and uh, uh, one of the boards or commissions that I oversee. Uh, we had uh, uh, a quick interview with another TV station. Uh, then we were uh, doing a, a thank you event for some city employees because they, uh, they just have a tough job and, and don't always get uh, get thanked enough. So we wanted to make sure we did that. Um, we had an internal staff meeting to kind of keep track of everything that was going on. And then uh, toward the, the end of the day, I got to go to Riley High School and meet with some students who were doing a uh, robotics project. So they have a robotics team. Um, and uh, uh, it, was really, it was really neat to see these students from very different backgrounds coming together on this really tough project, which is to figure out how to make this robot, and it has to go through these challenges, and there will be a competition. Um, so that's, that's I don't know if I could call that a typical day, but that's, that's one <laughs> that's day that I had this week. And it's an example of some of the things that, that uh, might be on my plate. Of course, somewhere in the, in the middle of all that, you've got you to try to find time to um, you know, write emails, <laughs> like yeah. take phone calls, and, uh, and get back to folks. So we, it's always a struggle to make sure there's enough time uh, to, to just do sort of the basics of correspondence. And at the same time, you just, you just can't do this job from behind a desk. Right. Um, so if a college student is getting ready to graduate and wants to follow like a similar path to what you have followed, what advice would you give them? You know, the, the funny thing about public office is that there, there's not really a path. I think that's a good thing, actually. There's, there's no kind of set way that you do it. It's not like, uh, it's not like becoming a doctor where you've got to have these majors and then you've got you to go to med school and you do your internship. I mean, there are people from every walk of life in politics, and that's a good thing. It was designed that way. What I will say and, and what I say when, whenever I'm speaking to students is, um, first of all, I think it's it's wise to resist the the temptation or the the pressure to do something um, that's described as useful um, if it's not something you really care about. Because if if you study something that you care about, you're going to be good at it. And if you do something well, the most important thing you can get from a kind of a a, a useful kind of tactical skills perspective in college, I think, is to know what it feels to really commit to something that is hard, go the extra mile, and get really good at it. And that could be anything. You know, I, I um, uh, went to college and, and studied history and literature and uh, got a job offer at a really competitive consulting firm, not because I knew anything about business, but because they saw that I was able to uh, work hard on something and become good at it, and they figured they could teach me the rest. And I think we, we and that's my approach to recruiting in the city as well. Um, so I think that uh, we, we sometimes get a little too hung up in uh, uh, thinking that, uh, that you can't follow your passions. You know, obviously you need to be practical about, about your career path. But, um, you know, I think the most important thing to work on, whether it's picking a major or deciding on any kind of volunteer work you want to do, is, is do what you care about. Do what you love because you'll, you'll put more into it and, uh, and you'll get better at it. The other thing that I think really helps for anybody who's interested in uh, being in public life is to... Find ways to expose yourself to different scenarios and situations uh, because, you know, holding office is all about taking input from people who have a totally different outlook than you do, uh, taking it seriously, and then trying to find some right answer, some right way forward that incorporates the, the values and in, in, in the interests of totally different kinds of people, all of whom you represent equally. And so the more you can do, and, and you can do it directly through travel or service projects. You can do it indirectly through, you know, reading widely. But uh, however you do it, exposing yourself to as much 
uh, diverse opinion and, and different life experiences uh, around the community and around the world, uh, I think really serves anybody well who wants to be in, in some kind of public role in the future. Love it. That's a lot of good advice for really people in all walks of life. We're going to change up a little bit here and get to some lightning round questions. Um, these are, I mean, you can expand on them as much as you'd like, uh, but these are questions that uh, we ask pretty much every guest in one form or another. Um, so we're going to dive right into it. Um, I think you may have mentioned this earlier, uh, but what was your first job? So it depends how you count. My first, uh, uh, my first kind of paid salary job was, was on a campaign in 2004, but uh, uh, really, I guess my, my first first job was taking care of dogs for my neighbor oh, cool. uh, when I was a kid. And then uh, when I was in high school, my uncle had a, a kind of a catering operation. So I, I worked at stand selling you know, water and, and, and drinks at, uh, at festivals uh, over the summer. Um, so I guess that was my first kind of uh, uh, you know, manual labor kind of job. Cool. Have you ever been stuck on an elevator? Oh yeah, yeah. You um, have, oh, yeah. Man. I had an apartment building in Chicago, and I was in there for like an hour. It was terrible. Oh, no. Although I had just gone down to get my mail, and so I had a bunch of magazines and stuff to read. So once I realized I wasn't going anywhere for a while, I just sat down and started reading. Were you the only one uh, on the elevator? Yeah, yeah. It was just me. That's probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is that the only time you've been stuck? Um, once in the county city building, we're having Jeez. some elevator issues. Actually, got to talking yesterday with the uh, uh, the maintenance guy uh, who comes in and fixes the elevators. We've been seeing an awful lot of him. Oh no. Um, uh, I think I think actually in our office it's it's Mark who's who's here today who has the record. How long are we in there? Uh, about 45 minutes. Yeah, I've no, uh, I got stuck there for a couple of minutes, but uh, nothing like that. So uh, uh, we're working with the county to prioritize <laughs> elevator maintenance. They're, How many they're times kind have of you been landlord. stuck, Mark? A uh, couple times. A couple times. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, that, is, that is no fun. Yeah, not really. Okay. Um, so Kyle has a big fear of getting stuck on an elevator. He has not yet been stuck, but... Has well, a, a definite fear of getting stuck. You know, <laughs> so. you'll, 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 you'll get through it in the end. Yep. Really <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. What is your favorite TV show ever um, and then currently? Hmm. Um, I think The Wire might be the best yeah. TV when show. When you mentioned Baltimore in 2000, yeah. that's the first place yeah. my mind went. Um, it's just uh, it covers such a range of, of – and, and the main character in that show is the city of Baltimore. So it's really yep. about a city. Um, but uh, through all these stories, and they're incredibly, uh, incredibly true to life too. Um, I've I found that even more since uh, since taking office. Um, lately, I'm on a big Game of Thrones kick. You know, okay. that's uh, I actually think that's the best show about politics since The Wire. Really, you may not think about it that way, but yeah, that show's totally about politics. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's uh, there, there's there's scheming. There's uh, you know. You, uh, you got the the council um, power shifts. Uh, there's that one episode where the uh, the imp kind of cleverly devises a leak investigation yeah. where he puts out different versions of the same rumor, see which one comes back yeah. to him. <laughs> it's brilliant, like very useful for for politics. So um, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I guess it's gonna be a while before we get the next season, but I'm gonna be uh, Chas and I will be there with our uh, uh, there with our popcorn ready the moment. I think it they starts. said what 2019. Yeah, I think sometime so. 2019. Yeah. I love that wire answer. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. shows all time too. Um, what is the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten? Ooh. Um, let's see. When I was campaigning in 2010, I ran statewide for, for state treasurer. I went to a lot of fairs and festivals, and there's some weird stuff there. I was there when they broke the world, the world record for the most fried chicken ever put into a single serving. Uh, it was a canoe full of chicken. It was 1,600 pounds. Um, uh, there was this, uh, thing with like candied jalapeno peppers. It was pretty strange. I had something called a pork parfait. This is in LaPorte County. So, you know, those, uh, peanut, 
butter par- buster parfaits from Dairy Queen. Yeah, Ever had those? Yeah. yeah. All right, picture one of those, but instead of ice cream, it's mashed potato. And where the fudge would go is barbecue sauce. And then instead of peanuts, it's just pulled pork. Interesting. Um, it's actually not a bad idea, <laughs> um, but it's definitely original. Um, yeah, there's some strange food out there. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. All right, what is... Um, sorry, what person have you met that made you the most nervous? Um, you know, the more time I spend in public life, I, I don't get starstruck as much as I used to. But still, sometimes you, you like movie stars, they just kind of look like the same as they do. So it like, doesn't do as much for me. Um, when, uh, when President Obama came to town, um, you know, I wound up riding in the, in the vehicle with him to Elkhart from the airport. So it was about a 30, 40-minute conversation. Um, and uh, I didn't know I'd be doing it. They tapped me on the shoulder at the last minute. I thought I was out there just to shake his hand as he got off Air Force One and went on his way, and they, they asked Surprise. me. Surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I thought I was being pretty cool. Like, he was asking a lot of questions about everything, Notre Dame football, what's going on in the city, You're just having this good conversation. And then about 20 minutes into the conversation, we got to talking something about what I was doing in Afghanistan, and he, he, he stopped me and was like, wait a minute, how, how old are you? And I had no idea. I had no idea how old I was. Just like had to like I was trying to do the math in my head, like subtract the years. And that's when I realized, like as cool as I thought I was being, I was probably a little more nervous than I wanted to admit. What about when? So it was when did Mark Zuckerberg come down? Uh, he oh. came in. What was it? I think it was April of last year. April yeah. last year. How was that? I mean, that's probably the wealthiest person. Yeah, definitely, the, I mean, definitely the wealthiest person. He I seems know. like a pretty cool guy, though. So yeah, like, he is, and he's he's a he's a friend, and and a really especially for somebody who's as visible as he is, I, th- I think he's very uh, down to earth, and and um, he's just a very curious person. So the way that trip came about was I, I was visiting him uh, in uh, in Silicon Valley, and he mentioned this project of his, which is to visit every state in the country. He wanted to do that all in one year. Uh, so I said, look, when you get around to Indiana, like there's only one place to come in Indiana. It's <laughs> got to be South Bend. And, uh, and then we wound up put, putting together the trip. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it kind of showed the range of interest that he has because he didn't, we didn't just go to some, you know, tech center. Uh, we, we did go to, to the Renaissance District, which is a very interesting um, uh, scene for small business and technology. But um, he also wanted to see the Juvenile Justice Center and spend time with the, uh, with the kids who were in there. So um, you really enjoyed being able to show him a lot of different dimensions of the city. Um, but it was kind of amazing how people around here just lost their minds. Like oh, yeah. reporters that I'm used to working with just seemed like whole different people. We had a car like driving in front of us and like uh, a camera came up through the sunroof, like pointed backwards, <laughs> taking pictures of us. I was like, well, wow. it was like wild because it, it yeah. all went on Facebook Live. And it yeah. was like kind of a surprise. Yeah, and that was the other thing. Yeah. I didn't know that he was going to be like broadcasting the entire thing. He oh, just yeah. like put an iPhone on a suction cup on my dashboard <laughs> in the Jeep. It was like, all right, we're, we're going live. I was like, okay. Oh, so he, he did um, tell you that you were going to be on? Uh, on yeah, the- at the last minute, they, yeah. they decided they wanted to add that. And it was cool. I mean, it was a great, you know, great commercial for South Bend. I think like a million people have watched that now. But um, uh, but, but it did kind of change the, the, the character, which was a good reminder for me because you know, I've gotten to the point now where, you know, even if I'm, I'm in Washington or New York, you know, people will kind of notice me and, and come say hello, but it was a great reminder of the difference between where I'm at and being like actually yeah. famous, <laughs> um, which, uh, which can be really difficult because like you wouldn't have been, you know, they had a lot of plans for security and stuff. And I was like, oh, it's, it's fine. We'll just go around town. We'll go to Fiddlers or something. And, and they were like, no, like we, <laughs> just, we don't get to move around like yeah. that. So it was, it was an interesting, uh, wake up call. So before, uh, we let you get out of here, one more question. What is the longest car ride 
you've ever been. I, I imagine you fly a lot. Wow. I know that, but longest car ride. The one, well, the the car ride that felt the longest mm-hmm. was probably I was in Cambodia, and the only way to get between one place and another, I was I can't even remember what we were doing, but it was in the back of a truck, and it was just like there were chickens around, and it was like rickety. And, um, but <laughs> actually, 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 the longest ride I've been, I was probably the first job I got was in Arizona. Uh, that campaign job I was telling you okay, about, yeah. uh, my first uh, kind of full job after college. And I got a phone call on like Tuesday from somebody on the campaign. She said, I hear you're my new research director. I was like, great. And I guess that means I got the job. She's like, do you have a car? I was like, no. She's like, okay, well, buy one and start driving and you can be at work on Friday. So that's basically what I did. <laughs> what we did. Um, my dad came out. with Actually, it was a great road trip when you go west. It's a little dull the first maybe you know, a thousand miles or so, but then uh, you get into the mountains and, and, and the, the west, just a great part of the country to drive in. So you drove here to Arizona? Uh, yeah, South yeah. Bend to Phoenix. Did so, uh, so I'm from Kansas, so I don't know if you would oh, okay. cut through Kansas, but I know that's a boring part of the drive. Yeah, it can be a little... A little <laughs> that's rough. Flat. That's rough. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but that's a nice day. Actually, I'm going to be in Kansas in a couple of weeks uh, speaking in Topeka to the... Uh, uh, there's a... a a party group out there that I'm going to talk to. So it'll be a good excuse to check out Kansas. Is there anything I should know? Anything I should eat? Or? Oh, man. Um, no. I mean, <laughs> get beef, I guess. Um, if you're going to be in Topeka, you know, in the Northeast, nice day. I mean, good corn up there, I, I imagine. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure you're going to have a great time, but yeah, good people. Good. Um, so we really appreciate you coming today, um, taking time out of your busy, uh, busy schedule to come down here. Uh, well, thank you for everything you do for South Bend. Well, thanks. I'm happy to be yeah. part of it. I'm really glad that you're showcasing some of the good stuff happening in the city too, because oh, there's so many things going on, and and uh, and there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of need I think for people to get plugged in and find out what's happening right. around them. So I appreciate your your adding to that. And tell our listeners uh, where they can find you on social media. Uh, pretty easy if you can if you can spell my name you can find me so that's the only hard part but at Pete Buttigieg is my Twitter handle uh, we're on Facebook uh, under uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg all all the kind of city stuff I'm doing is on there three one one is a great way to get uh, you know if you have a practical issue you need help in fact I think today we're celebrating the uh, five year anniversary of three one one they've taken wow. more than half a million calls there we um, go and uh, and so there's that and there's always a the good old fashioned Mayor's Night out so uh, every month or, or two uh, I'll set up shop at a community center or a school. And uh, uh, we can do one-on-one meetings with anybody who wants to sit down and talk. Very cool. And you can find us uh, at South Bend Beat on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find our stream on southbendbeat.com. And this episode, along with all the others, will be available in the iTunes Store and the Google Play Store. And again, Mayor Pete, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me. This episode of the South Bend Beat Podcast was brought to you by the Alpha Dog Agency. Special thanks to Truthwork Media for production. If you'd like to sponsor on a future episode, email info at alphadogagency.com. You don't have to go all the way to Chicago to visit a high-end boutique. The Lux Wagon offers a wide range of jewelry, clothing, and accessories located right in downtown South Bend. Drop by the store at the corner of Jefferson and Niles or shop online at luxwagon.com. This episode was recorded and produced by Truthwork Media. If you're interested in having a podcast, look us up at truthworkmedia.com. Truthwork Media. Everyone has a story. Yours needs a podcast.